Hello and welcome to Chosen by Committee, the podcast where myself, Josh Heron, Christopher London, and John Rosenberg read through every Pulitzer Prize-winning play since 1918, so you don't have to, or so that you'll join us. Um, like I said, my name is Josh Heron. I am a elementary school teacher, and I am joined um, by... Um, <laughs> looking at your like your throbbing chest um the throbbing John you're, 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 you're out of practice bro i know um there's been a long hiatus but i don't actually think that you'll it will this will not be the one that feels like a long hiatus because i still haven't posted last week's um but we're talking about the hiatus this week so it's been a while um i'm out of practice the throbbing john rosenberg hello and the um Quietly smoldering Christopher Munden. Hello. <laughs> um, and uh, there's been so much that's happened. We haven't recorded in a long time. Um, a Philadelphian playwright, um, James Imes, won a Pulitzer like two weeks ago, um, um, which that'll be fun when we read. He does all sorts of stuff in Philadelphia where we live do you like know i don't know him personally but i can imagine you guys do it i've met him before he's a he's a nice guy um i i was reluctant to see you saw the the play that won didn't you if i have no i was reluctant to see it it's a take on hamlet and i had uh, read an interview with him at some point um where he said like shakespeare had nothing to say to him like um so i was like well what would he have to say about hamlet but um from a fellow theater critic whose opinion especially on shakespeare i trust he said it was a really excellent play although only seen um virtually so so yeah and philly people are proud of that guy yeah and he's directing um another reason pulitzer prize winning play a couple weeks that i think we're gonna go see fairview uh this week we are talking about 1980s Tally's Folly by Lanford Wilson um and I thought I thought Lanford Wilson was August Wilson's father um for no good reason um so boy howdy was I in for a surprise when I read this play um because it it's not uh, like an August Wilson play at all um uh Sorry, um I probably read it the most recently. So this has been like, this episode has been a long making. So um, I think uh, we appreciate all your grace listeners. Uh, hopefully just hearing our voices is, is a tonic after, <laughs> after this break. Um, but Tally's Folly, Tally's Folly is sort of a, a sweet uh, one act, probably like 90 minute um, two person play, which I guess, right now feels just very contemporary. Um, actually saw that it got sort of, not like a lot done, but it, it, it had a little uptick during the pandemic. So it was sort of easy to, to do remotely um, with two actors. Um, but it's about, um, let me find these people's names, excuse me. Unless you remember Sally and- Matt. Matt. It's about Matt and Sally. Um, and it's sort of this like extended conversation. Matt is visiting, Matt's a, a Jewish immigrant visiting um, from St. Louis. He has had some sort of previous relationship 
with Sally, we don't totally know at first, it sort of unfolds as through, and he has gone down there to sort of woo her. Um, and uh, before the play's action starts, he's sort of chased off the property by a gun, um, by her sort of anti-Semitic racist Southern family. Um, and they sort of spend 90 minutes uh, sort of negotiating each other and uh, he spent and they tell each other a little bit about their lives and then uh, they sort of decide what to do going forward. Um, it was it felt I, I will sorry and I can I, I was surprised by um, how sort of small it felt. Um, the the Pulitzers, I, I don't know if there's been a play quite so like, um, sort of just 90 minutes of like no time hopping, just sort of two characters. It feels, um, I wouldn't say it's a spare play because there's like, I think some other, like there's music involved and in like this scene, there's like a sort of set up with this little bit of like, I sort of felt like a little Thornton Wilder sort of like setting and wonderment. Um, it's like self-referential that it's a play. Um, but it was an interesting turn because I think um, the Pulitzer was going for like big sort of conceptual well, things or I, I don't know. It felt, it felt, um, it felt understated in a nice way. The one in the, uh, the two, the old couple, the. Uh, oh, I guess that's right. But I, which you guys like, um, but even that went over the series of like, it was several scenes. It wasn't yeah. quite like this, but it was so two persons similarly. And well, this was much quieter for sure. It's basically at the beginning she's like, "Go away," and then at the end she's like, "I love you." What did you think, John? You were you and you would like encourage me to read it. I was going to sort of speed read it, and you said, "No, take your time with it." It's like, uh, oh, I was kidding about that, but it's a. Uh... It's a it's a it's a really good play in like in certain regards, you know. I think like I think at its core, um, it's this like debate over what what America is, you know what I mean? Because I think like the dude and I hadn't I hadn't thought about this before, but like they, they kind of talk about it in the play, but like you know, he would he's like an ardent socialist, and I think he really uh, you know, I think like it was something very in vogue in the 1930s, just the idea of scarcity and um, and like people like collectively working together to try to build something. And I think what the play is really dealing with is like the, the two colliding visions of America, the, the idea in the 1930s of like scarcity and collective action and socialism and then the you know, the arsenal of democracy in the 1940s, which was just like abundance and um, we won and everything's fine, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, the play itself still takes place in the war, um, right? I, I forget. It's like near the end, there's like yeah. push and pull of um, like economic anxiety around all the, the guys coming back and the workforce going to be dramatically changed. They're sort of on the right. cusp of in like- Second World War? Or yeah, it, yeah, yeah. They're on the cusp of sort of the like massive urbanization, the GI Bill, like 
you know, the sort of economic boom of the, of the middle part of the 20th century um, and aren't sort of like prepared on how to deal with that, right? The, the sort of the socialist politics of the 30s are like, I mean, are so out of vogue, <laughs> um, about to be like, you know, uh, but like don't have a place in that and trying to wrap their head around sort of the, the new world that will be. Um, sort of, now that I'm talking about it, I think like, I think from a, like, I, I don't think we think of like that time right before the end of World War II as this like m time of like change, even though it certainly was, but like the idea of people not like having not gone to the war, waiting for all the soldiers to come back, waiting for, you know, the dynamic on the home front to really shift is certainly really interesting to me at least. Yeah, I think, I think at its core, the play is really interesting. Cause like, I think structurally it's, it's like a driving play, you know what I mean? It's like the play is put in the hands of the dude and lets you know from the beginning and he's kind of charming and funny when he talks to the audience. And it's clear like where the, the uh, like the heart of the playwright is. And it's I like, like, I don't know, was, was that? I didn't like that framing. I thought, you know, it's weird. I thought it was an interesting framing. I don't know why, because like, I think there's something very fascinating to me of like, in, for some reason, this is all tied together to me of like the rise in the 1970s of the Jewish star, either the stage or film star. Mm -hmm. um, and Judd Hirsch was like a big part of that. You know, I think between like uh, Judd Hirsch and who's the other dude um, that was in the long, oh, what's his name? But, it, but it's interesting, like, like the, uh, the sex appeal and like the, the, uh, like the belief in them as stars. And it's interesting mm -hmm. that like the story itself really revolves around a different, um, like a different hero. And it's interesting to me that like, he, you know, what he represents from the thirties and like what he's fighting for um, and that she basically rejects the easy life that she could have to basically go on the road with him. That's interesting. Do you, I mean, I guess I thought of this character as sort of different from like a Zero Mostel or a Woody Allen or a Mel Brooks or a, you know, Alan Bro Al Brooks, like any of the sort of like, like the sort of Jewish like figures because he he's for he's like himself an immigrant right like he's not an american jew isn't he where's is he from from latvia latvia that's right yeah i think i understand what you're saying but i think even take away the fact you know even if he was from america like what he represents and like what uh there's like a violence to him that like there's like a violence and reaction to things that a lot of other maybe Jewish characters don't usually have. You know what I mean? 
like um, the main dude in the pawnbroker kind of did in the early 60s, but that's like film stuff. But like, I think it's just interesting to me that like we are placed with him. He is the hero mm-hmm. and like, he's like, follow me on this journey because I'm going to get this bitch. And it's like, it's interesting of like, what the playwright is driving at about the soul of America and like the right path forward. You know mm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I hadn't thought of it when I read it, but um, with that in mind that it is 1979, 1980, that it's taking place like um, year of Reagan election, end of 1970s, that's kind of a, maybe a similar turning point in a way as, as when this is set. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like it's interesting too because maybe at the end, it was like at the end of World War II, it was clear that that vision of the 1930s was just never come back. You know what I mean? And like, um, it's interesting. It's yeah, maybe. It, it maybe wasn't clear like it was still a vision it's clear in retrospect and and now nah, to me to me I feel, like it's less, like, I feel like i feel like it is less clear now or it is there is like more interest in a radical left now than there was in the 80s nah, I don't, no i don't know I don't, I, don't, I don't know about that that's either. true yeah I don't because, think that's true if you like listen to like Walter Mondale or if you listen to like one like just a standard democratic politician from like late 70s 80s they're like just accepted left-wing take seems so far now like we Reagan moved the country to the right and but I would also say like that that like in 1945 the 50s hadn't happened the uh you know, like, it seems obvious now that, like, Eisenhower, that era is going to happen, but it's not obvious then. And, and you have, like, European countries having, you know, several glorious decades, but they're also building a welfare state. And, and the United States, what, such as it is, it's consolidated from the 30s. It's not obvious in 1945 how the country is going to go. Well, see, I would actually, I would argue that like, I'd argue that like what the play is saying is that, and I think that's why there's that hint of violence in the play of like her family threatening him for being there and all that. It's like, to me, it's also like a vision and an idea that's very dangerous. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And like, cause I think even, right anything like reeking of communism even during world war ii was just like ugh. maybe not maybe no yeah dude i i think i would i would argue that like i mean I, it I, soon I, is but but we are pre-told war we're just on the brink of it they don't know yeah but i mean not to not, not to quibble with you but i think i think what the playwright is pointing at is like two vastly different visions of america and i think the schizophrenic thing is that like for so long it was like it was like this this fight for collective action 
so it was interesting so i don't know if you know who sterling hayden was he was like an actor i watched uh, oh, that i watched familiar? he's he was in a lot of stuff um he uh I watched this documentary about him called the Pharaoh of chaos. And mm -hmm. it, it was just very interesting because like in the thirties and like in the 1930s, when he was young, he was, he was a socialist and he was a communist. And then world war II happened and he joined the Marines and he fought uh, in, in the Marines. And then at the end of the forties, he got called in front of the house on an American activities committee. And that dude gave up names. And then he was able to have a Hollywood career after that because he did it. Mm -hmm. But I think I think someone like Sterling Hayden actually embodied the strangeness of like what this play is about and the and the what the main character is fighting for her to believe in, you know, like this this very lonely and like um, this outdated notion of what America could be and this like very romantic notion um that just like was looked upon as like very dangerous and outmoded and just gone already you know so it's like the i think like the tricks of the play and like the storytelling it, it's it's cool it's neat and all that stuff but i think what lanford wilson actually captured was something very dangerous and something very uh it's very sad yeah, and that's interesting because I think for me, I want to reread it now because I feel like I like I'm like hearing all these things. I'm like, oh, that's totally there, but I think I got sort of lost in the love story of it, and I think it's really interesting that he like right. Well, he had the way the way he camouflaged it is really is really interesting because I think it's such a like like I, I I'm so curious what kind of productions do or don't do to like where they put the emphasis on it, right? Or how they let that, this sort of the political. Well, because it's there by the framing at the beginning, by like turning the play over to him and mm -hmm. him being in control and him being funny and him like repeating the, uh, the description of what's happening to the audience member that just came back or whatever. Yeah. He's in, he's in complete control. And like, to me, that then means like he already knows what's going to happen in the play, and it's something, it's something good that happens for him, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I I thought how Sally was written, I liked how she was written. I mean, obviously, at the end, she's going to have to give it up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she's she's just there to give it up, and I'm sure like it's interesting to watch an actor like play that and all that shit, and then finally at the end. It's whatever but the play what, is like what can you i couldn't like and, and, and like could you pinpoint like why why what like why she gave it up like it, that felt a little strange and under one i mean she was in love with him and she was yeah not doing it for other reasons like she was telling him to go but didn't want him to go she was dressed to see him right she came down to where he was yeah i think it's like i think in part it's like the fear of like she has to keep rejecting him to see if he'll actually give up and all that shit mm -hmm. um but but it's like there's something very interesting to me about this play too about the about 
Oh, Elliot Gould. That's what I'm thinking of. In like the mid seventies, it's mm. like the rise of like the Jewish star, like movie and stage star as like a sex symbol. And like Judd Hirsch, not as much, but like, it's interesting to me. There's like something very, um, there's something very sensual about the male character in this play and something very vulnerable about him. Like when he finally kind of like talks about what happened to his family when he was younger and all that shit. It's like, uh, it's holding it up to be like, like, and I don't know why it happened in the seventies that like Elliot Gould and Judge Hirsch became like, like as big as they were. Mm -hmm. um, Cause they're not like conventionally handsome, you know, like uh, Western ideas of like handsomeness or whatever. But like, and mostly like Elliot Gould, you know what I mean? But like, I don't know if it's because like Israel or what happened in the seventies, but like, to me, all this is tied to it too. And it's fascinating. Yeah. This is a, this is a, this is a good play. And it's like, it's a good play in the sense that it's like a time capsule play. And it's a good play that like, it captures something very scary. And like, and I think we are living in like, so this is probably like the second generation after that of just that break and just like how we can never go back to that, what could have been possible in the thirties, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Chris, you remember anything about this play? It was like two months since I read this play. Um, I liked it when I read it. Yeah. Um, I didn't like the framing. It is, it's like a guy, like, here we are putting on a play. Um, well, it's funny, because I felt like, too, like, if that was something that, like, without it, it becomes outdated. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it has to have, like, a touch of the avant-garde even though it doesn't show up anywhere else in the play, but like the frame, it like, I don't know if the play was written and then he added that on afterwards or something like that. Um, well, that's how we had to start it to get into writing it maybe. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think it's that. I don't think that, I don't think he needed that because it's a very, very personal play. I don't know if it's actually, I don't think it's about him, but it's about yeah. Sometimes I can, you can need some distance before you get into the personal, right? I have no idea. But like, the, yeah. I think what I'm saying is like the story is there. And like, yeah, I, I just think like without it, it becomes um, antiquated. Like to me in like the late 70s, it'd be, it, it's like, uh, it's too straight ahead. Mm -hmm. But like with it, it's like a touch of, it's aware of itself, it's whatever, but like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is straight ahead. It's quiet, it's nicely quiet. Um, it's, the plot is, it's not heavily plotted. No, I mean, there's nothing. There's almost nothing they... And I don't think they're, and I, I guess, um, something that I feel like in other plays, I feel like they are not, like in some ways there are, but like, I feel like they like portray the like anti-Semitism of the this other family with like a little bit of grace and like some sort of like good humor. 
and it's not like anti-Semitism. Well, I don't know. In the way that you like, I feel like you get, always get frustrated with the way that like some of these character traits get like bad. And I think mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this play is completely understood. Yeah, it's, it's like, understood. Yeah, I like, yeah, I like had a great time with your anti-Semitic aunt. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, but he also knows why they hate him, right? And he understands. Do you know what I mean? Because it's not. I think to to him, it's like why uh, we need a class analysis at all times. But it's also like he's coming from another. Like it's like the play has nothing to do with her. <laughs> you know what that I mean? Is true. What a thankless role. Um, but no, she, but but she, that means she's allowed. Like thirty-one, and she's not married yet. But that's why she's allowed to do fun things on stage because it's not about her. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, wow. Um, well, next next week, I actually don't know what this play is about, but it has such a delicious name, Crimes of the Heart. Um, I know. I mean, that's like a movie, right? It feels like a very like. Yeah. We didn't. No, we didn't read that one yet. We did we read um uh is Crimes of the Heart about that's not the one about the mother and the daughter, is it? We haven't read Night Mother yet. We saw Night Mother. Night Mother. We saw that. Yeah. We see that? We saw it together. That's probably the last time I saw you. Jesus. I remember. We got really sad. Oh yeah, that was Night Mother. Crimes of the Heart. I think Crimes of the Heart is a movie. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I may have seen it. It seems familiar. Mm, we'll find out. Um, yeah. Uh, well. Well, yes. Um, well, it's going to be back. I'm excited to read something a little bit more tawdry. Um, and, you know, um, and then we're, we're clicking along. The 80s, the 80s got some hits coming. Um, all right. With that, let's call it night. Say goodnight, folks. Goodnight, folks. Good night, folks.